Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to Of The Essence with Liz. I hope everyone has been having a great summer. I am soaking up these last few weeks of summer and just really getting excited for fall. I love fall. It's already starting to feel a little cooler at night. So excited for some fall adventures. Today, we have a really great episode with Melody. Melody is a multifaceted individual who has traversed a diverse range of experiences. She has a professional background ranging from corporate marketing to uh, being a dancer and stripper. She founded Strip Down Studio in 2021, a platform devoted to the instruction of dance as a means of self-expression. She is currently engaged in event management and specializes in running Argentine tango festivals retreats, and weddings. However, it's her profound passion for dance, love for laughter, and her dedicated journey of personal transformation that truly defines her. A fan of both lighthearted chatter and deep discussions, Melody is a captivating conversationalist. Uh, This episode was so much fun. We talk about all about stripping and Melody's journey as a stripper for seven years and navigating boundaries with clients as a stripper. Definitely an area that I've struggled with. She is a self-proclaimed expert in boundaries, so that's amazing. And how Melody is sober and the experience of being sober in a strip club, which is definitely associated with partying and drinking. And so her experience of being very present in that space. And we also talk about sensual dance and somatic work and moving emotions through the body in that way. We talk about moving toward alignment in career and kind of her search for purpose. I know a lot of you can probably resonate. I know I can with the seeking purpose through your life work or through um, you know, your creative endeavors. Melody has obviously had a lot of various different backgrounds and she has found ways to express herself that really feel meaningful. And through her event management, she's really feeling like that really lights her up. So I was so inspired by this conversation and I hope you all love it. I really look forward to hearing your thoughts on this. And if you would not mind leaving me a written review, I would be so, so grateful if you love this episode, if you love the podcast, if you're an avid listener, I'd be so grateful for you to leave a written review. And I'm actually offering a free gift card to either Amazon or anywhere of your choice, actually online for someone that writes a written review. So little incentive for you. And all you have to do is screenshot the review on Apple podcast and then send it over to me on either DM on Instagram or via email of the essence with Liz at gmail.com. And I will put all this stuff in the show notes as well. So without further ado, I hope you love the episode. Welcome back to the podcast today. I'm so grateful to have Melody joining us. Welcome, Melody. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Really, really grateful to you for inviting me on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited for our chat today. Um, Would you mind just giving a quick little intro of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. It was so funny because we were just talking about this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm up to so many things. But essentially, I have a uh, corporate background in marketing and I transitioned recently into full-time event management. 
I also did start a company last year called Strip Down Studio. Actually, it was 2021. Time is crazy. Um, <laughs> time is wild. And um, Strip Down Studio is a virtual studio where I teach dance as a means of self-expression to any gender. So yeah, I'm up to a lot of different things in the world, but I'm excited about all of them. And um, that's what I'm up to. Amazing. Well, congrats on your like career segue. That sounds really exciting and and very aligned for you. Thank you. Yeah, I I love. Um, oh my gosh, I don't like. Did I even mention that I was a stripper? That's an important thing too. <laughs> Is that? But like, I'm like that's also important. Um, but <laughs> I've been doing that for seven years. But yes, I'm actually transitioning out of stripping in the next hopefully year and we'll be doing full-time event management. I love logistics and organization. So yeah, that's that's the new thing on the block. Okay, amazing. So a lot to unpack even right there. I would love to first go into what like initially piqued your interest in stripping and like, have you always been a dancer? Yeah, so I have always been a dancer. I've been dancing since I was a like a kiddo. I never took formal classes until... I got to college, actually, and then I started studying Argentine tango, and um, I did some, like, hip-hop classes and tap dance classes in college, but I was always interested in dancing, all types of dance, and when I moved from New York City to Denver, Colorado, I was in a program called Landmark. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's, yeah, a personal development course, and one of the women that was in my course, she was a former stripper, and I was just telling her about myself. I did, like, naked yoga in New York City, like co-ed naked yoga though. And I, uh, and I just always had been a dancer and was always really good at speaking to people. And she goes, you would be a fantastic stripper. And I guess I was far enough away from my mother at the time. <laughs> so, I, so I decided to, uh, she toured me around the local strip clubs and I was, um, yeah, I, I auditioned a few weeks later and I, and I got the gig. So that's kind of how it all started. Wow, that's amazing. That's so funny. So you literally just felt it felt like the physical space was enough. And you're like, you know what? Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love my mother. She'll probably listen to this. And um, we have gone through our own journey about me coming out to her as a stripper and her reaction and my reaction and our growth journey together to get to like a solid place. Um, she's a mother. She's a Jewish mother. So she's very concerned about my safety. So that was probably her main point of like like interest in me not doing it <laughs> but I've assured her that there's I actually work at a very fantastic club that has like really high reviews really classy right downtown great security so I've assured her that I'm very safe and that the distance was enough that I was like all right I'm gonna go out and do my own thing now and I never thought to do it in New York and I had an opportunity so I took it. What's one thing that you would have never expected about stripping? Mm, wow, that's a fantastic question. Ah, uh, wow. Um, oh my God, there's so many things. I think I'm going to have to give you a list because I just no. can't, I can't choose one. You know, one thing that I was really fascinated by was that the men in the strip club aren't just there to throw money and just look at you know, tits and ass. And of course, there are men who are like that, but I've had plenty of customers who are there for deeper connection, deeper conversation, deeper intimacy. I actually recently had a man cry 
in in my arms um at the end of the night i gave uh, a lap dance and he's like thank you so much i and i have a lot of men say i haven't been touched in uh over a year and and like i'm not having sex with these men but there is that intimacy of like caressing their their head or their arms or something and they're just like so moved and so one guy actually cried so that has been something i did not did not expect in the club. So that's, that's one thing I think. Wow. Yeah. That's like, that's very like the emotional kind of, uh, not attachment, but like emotional connection just from the intimacy of being that close. And I mean, that's really beautiful. It's like touching to see them have that experience. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel like what I do is worth it when I do that. Um, so, so part of me chatting about what I'm chatting about today is that I'm actually kind of on the outs. I'm, I'm seven years in, I'm, uh, I'm actually an elder stripper. The strippers today are, are younger girls. I'm, I'm about to be 31 and they're all like 21. And I'm at the stage of my stripping career where I think it's time to move on. I'm feeling complete with my experience, but, and so sometimes I get frustrated in the club because I'm not. I, I know I don't want to be there anymore, but moments like that where a man cries in my arms and honestly pays me to do it, um, <laughs> like that's something that's very profound and very touching that I can contribute that intimacy to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really beautiful. It's like you're performing in, obviously he's paying you for a service, but it's also kind of like you feel like you're doing an act of service that's greater than just the exchange of, service as well um so that's really sweet and obviously you kind of touched a little bit on this but what initially prompted you to want to leave the strip club yeah it's um it's been a few like it's been quite a few years it's been seven years of doing it and and I did it actually along a corporate job like I was working in marketing full-time Monday through Friday nine to five and at the height right before the pandemic I was working about five to six nights a month in addition to my Monday through Friday. So I was working pretty much every Friday and then every Saturday with maybe one weekend off. And wow. so it was really, really intense. Yeah. And and so then the pandemic happened and the strip club completely shut down. And I I loved not being there. <laughs> it was it's just a lot of energy to get ready for the club. Some people think that it's a night job, right? It's like 6 p.m. I go in and I'm there until basically 2 a.m. And so it's it's pretty late. And oh, there. Hello. I, I like it. My husband's in the background. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. It's funny. He was listening to. Um, part of the reason is him, right? I wanna I wanna spend more time with my husband. I want to be present at home. I want to run more events. Honestly, I'm kind of tired of men touching me. It's uh it's been seven years of like constant someone slapping my ass or grabbing my tit too hard, or like I have there's like facial hair rug burn on my chest or sometimes people are are unruly or I had a man throw up on me two months ago and I had a guy do like a water spit take on me last weekend (laughs) like just spit water all over me or beer spills on me and I hate alcohol I've never had alcohol in my life and so I'm a sober stripper being in what my coach calls a spiritually bankrupt place and it's it's very hard with my I'm on a very deep path of personal transformation these days. And I have been for the last eight years and it's gotten to another level recently. And so that's just, 
It just is falling out of alignment and the schedule is intensive. Anytime I go to the club, it's like a full day of getting ready. I actually have one of those saved stories on my Instagram, which I think you'll put in the show notes or whatever, but it's it's actually going through like every single thing that I do from like cold plunges to keep my body like in shape still to the the things that I drink, the things that I eat to keep like my body in shape and doing yoga and like doing a whole face and makeup and hair. And I used to do a ton more in regards to my um, physical appearance and I would get my nails done and wear lashes and curl my hair. And now I do like the bigger rhythm. <laughs> but people still pay me a lot, but it's just a lot of commitment to go in. And it's, I'm not old, but I say that I'm old in the strip club. I'm a veteran and I'm like, it's getting a little draining. <laughs> That's funny. No, I, I definitely like make jokes about myself being old too. I'm 31 as well. So, um, but oh, wow. I can see that. Yeah, I could see that how in the strip club, it's like, you know, once you're able to pretty much legally work, like they would, <laughs> I mean, guys like the, the youngest girls possible, right? So they do, they do. There are, I mean, there's all types of girls in our club. There's skinny girls, big girls, all different types of races. There are a few women who are older, actually in their 40s, but they're amazing. But they have clientele because they've worked there for so many years. They're called regulars that come in. I have a few regulars as well, but I have not been consistent enough or built up enough of those regulars to make me want to continue to work. So mm -hmm. the older women actually do have really great regulars. And also everyone has their reason why they still strip. They still look great. Um, but for me, I'm like, I'm, I'm done. It's time. So I'm, I'm transitioning out and I, and I feel good. I've, I've like, I put in my work, I've put in my service. <laughs> I have like, and, and it's also really hard, like emotionally and energetically. I think that's not only physically difficult, but energetically difficult. You're constantly being rejected. People, you're, you're like wasting your time talking to people who don't pay you eventually. And then they'll, they'll might just sit there for 30 minutes. And of course you're like, bummed that they're not getting a dance from you or not paying you. But it's also like, how can you take personal responsibility that you just sat with a customer for 30 minutes and you took the risk that they wouldn't pay for you? So you have to be like, you have to look at yourself and be like, how can I be a better salesperson? And that for me, I'm just like, I don't want to sell anymore. I just want to, I just want to support people in their events and just like go to a party. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first off, I just want to acknowledge your like amazing work ethic, like working pretty much full time. I mean, a, a full time job in addition to full weekends stripping like that must have been not only, as you said, physically exhausting, but like emotionally draining. I mean, you you what, had like one day off of the whole week. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And the thing about the day after the club is I, I usually go to bed at 5 a.m. And so I'm actually sleeping through half of the day, waking up, and then I'm exhausted throughout the day. And so I don't really get to like, and if I do anything, it's chores. So there was no spaciousness, no time for myself and to have fun. And that's why I say I manifested the pandemic. I don't like, I was just like, uh, it shut down the club. I got to just, and my business at the time that I worked in was in um, the healthcare space. So it actually like boomed during the pandemic. And so I, I had so much work to do. And I was very grateful to have that job. And I, and I recently left it at the end of April to, to do stripping full time, which it looks like 10 times a month. I mean, that's how 
it's not it's like not that much more because you don't want to strip for that many hours because it is so intensive, but also um, transitioning into running events full time, which is something actually very recent that I've discovered that I would love to do. I love that. So I want to talk about you mentioned being um, fully sober and I feel like strip clubs are, t- are very much associated with alcohol. What's that like when you are so present and so sober and experiencing kind of a, a lot of people, I'm sure not everyone, of course, but in like a partying state. And um, yeah, what's that like for you? Yeah, thank you. So one thing I will mention is I've actually never had alcohol. So I actually don't even know what it's like to be drunk or in an altered state of mind. I've also never done any type of drug in my life. And I live in Colorado. So I live in like the weed capital. <laughs> so I, I really have no idea what it's like to be knocked out. And it's kind of funny because my husband will say like, oh, yeah, that person was so high or so drunk. And I don't even notice because I don't even know what it's like. So sometimes it goes right over my head. And because I don't have a something to contrast it with, I, I'm not really as present to my sobriety. But um, actually, just this past weekend, I'm happy that we're doing this because there's a lot of stories that have happened recently. <laughs> um, but just this past weekend, I had a girl tell me she was, wow, I was sober. Um, and I just feel so much more present and focused. And, and I do realize that when you're, you're drunk, you're, you're taken out. Like you're not as sharp. You're not as good at your sale. You maybe miss money. You maybe make a mistake. You get in trouble from management. You are messy. Um, you can get fired more easily because there are certain things we're not allowed to do in the club that certain girls might make an exception for and then not be able to hide it um, very well. And, and I'm married and I've been in my relationship pretty much the whole time that I've been in the strip club. And so it's it's never been a thing for me to try to hide or do something um, with a customer that is that would be a fireable offense. So thankfully, I've been very careful there, but it's it feels really good for me to be sober in the club because I get to be focused. I get to not miss my stage sets when the DJ calls me. I get to leave a conversation if I'm feeling uncomfortable and set like radical boundaries for myself in the club without overstepping myself, um, which is something that I've been considering teaching a class on, on like boundaries from a sex worker. Like that's something I've, I've considered doing and wondering if there's interest there, but yeah. And that sounds fascinating. I mean, that's also something I wanted to talk about too, is like, how do you set a boundary with a guest when necessary? And like, do you ever struggle to do that? Yeah, I because I've been doing it for so long, I'm a lot better at it now. I would say I'm an expert at setting boundaries. Um, in that kind of setting, there has to be a way for you to safely remove yourself from a situation. And I would say safety is the number one priority for me as a sex worker when setting a boundary. So what I did to protect myself was I created business cards and it links directly to like a Google voice number that's connected to an email that I have. And so I found that a lot of customers wanted my number. I did not want to give them my number. I didn't want to give them my Instagram. You know, when, when a creepy guy asks you for a number, you're like, and they're like, give it to me right now. So I came up with a business card and I would hand that out to people because sometimes people are like so drunk. They're like, let's meet afterwards. Let's meet afterwards. And your goal as a stripper is to make money from your customer. The way that you can do that best is to placate them, honestly. And it's a little bit of a white lie. They get to contact me. They get to text me and I will respond. And if I'm like, well, text me later because 
they get so distracted. So say I'm doing a lap dance on them. And then they're like, okay, well, what about after? Are you free after? Let's talk about later. And I'm in the middle of doing a lap dance and I still, I didn't get paid. I'm the type of stripper that gets, I, I do my payment at the end. I, I found that works for me. Some strippers get their money up front. For me, I trust my customers and I trust my, my method of safety and boundary that I know I will get my money at the end no matter what. I'm just, I don't know. It's, it's always worked out for me. Maybe that's my trust in the universe too, but it's worked out. And so I give them my card at the end. I tell them to text me and then they'll text me later. And I say, sorry, I don't mean outside the club. But it lets them know that there's a possibility and they leave safely and they leave me alone. Or my favorite one is if someone's like, can you meet later tonight? And they try to proposition me for sex. I say, it's $2 million. <laughs> and I say, it's super seriously. And then they giggle, they laugh. And, and, I, and I'm like, I'll wire transfer me up front, $2 million, one night only. We leave now until the rest of tonight. And that's it. <laughs> like, so I joke with my husband. I'm like, okay, if this ever happens, I'll give you a call. But no one's ever taken me up on it. No one ever will take me up on it. It's, it's serious and it's not serious at the same time because it lets them know that that's my boundary. Because they're like, okay, $1,000. I'm like, $1,000? I got paid $1,100 for two hours the other day to just sit and talk to a guy. I'm not, you're not paying me a thousand dollars to, to, to go home and have sex with you. <laughs> like that's, first of all, you're very much devaluing me, but yeah. that's why I say $2 million. So there is like, if I were to teach a class on boundaries, it would be about like treating yourself safely, making sure that you are as safe as possible. And depending on your situation, making sure that the person that you're setting the boundary with, you're not, it's not your responsibility to caretake, but that they feel safe enough to leave you alone. Because sometimes girls are angry in the club and they'll be, they'll yell at their customer or they'll slap their customer. They get fired. They get in trouble. They don't get their money. And so it's like, how can you, I don't know if it's manipulate the situation, but take care of yourself so that you get what you need and they get what they need too. Uh Yeah. I mean, I would, I am someone who really struggles to set boundaries sometimes, but I feel like it comes from a place of like not wanting to hurt people like this, like idea that I think the boundary will actually be hurtful and like make them not want, like abandon me basically. So yeah, no, I, I love the idea of doing a little boundary course. I think that would be super fascinating. Yay. Okay, great. Well, I'll look into it. Yeah. So I think that it is hard because you don't want to hurt people, right? You don't want to hurt people when you set a boundary. It is, it's scary. It's so scary to do that. And I found that it's scarier to betray yourself. And so the fear of like, of not making my money, of not going home, like, or, you know, safely, that scares me. Now, as a sex worker, that is something that is probably easier to advocate for yourself because you're committed to your money, you're committed to your work and to your safety, but like setting, setting a boundary with a family member, right? Like, oh my God, excruciating. Like that's really hard. And so how do you, it's actually really funny because my mother hates the word boundary. We actually have altered that word and she likes it when I say line. She's like, this is a line, like a line in the sand. And, And also trying to figure out from another person's perspective, like what would feel good. And so I like to have like a very meta conversation about setting boundaries and about like what what I need, what they need. And and it's just such a practice. I think that's something that 
I've had seven years of practice setting boundaries and, and, and in a specific scenario. Can you imagine seven years of specifically setting boundaries with your family over and over and over again, seven times a night? So it's just about how much you practice doing it and how much you honor yourself in doing that. I've made mistakes. Oh my God, I've made mistakes. Thankfully, none that got me fired, but I've, it's, it's been touchy, but I've quickly remedied it. And there's no better way to learn than to practice and to make mistakes. Yeah, first, I love the the reframe of align and also kind of just checking in like, what do you need? And what do I need? Because I feel like that does make it more like, you know, like I'm not just doing this. I'm not doing this to hurt you. <laughs> I'm doing this for actually for both of our greater good and the good of the relationship. So obviously boundaries, I'm sure is like a major thing that you've improved upon uh, throughout your stripping journey. But what What's something else that you've learned? I'm sure it's been like very personally challenging at times. What's something else you've learned in your stripping journey? Yeah, something that I've been doing recently, even as recently as this past weekend, is playing um, what I call the rejection game. <laughs> uh, so what that means is I, I go up to customers because sometimes I get nervous. Like even I get nervous. I'm a, if you don't know me, I'm a very outgoing, enthusiastic, very loud person. And I do so well in the club because I go up to so many customers. Lately, my heart's not been in it like it used to be. So I don't like to go up to people anymore. It's hard to talk to people. I just want to be alone. <laughs> like, I'm sure my customers wouldn't like to hear this, but it's true. It's what's, what's true for me right now. And so um, to encourage myself to go, I, I know that I'll be rejected by people. And it's, it stings. It stings to be a beautiful woman in a club with other beautiful women being rejected by men that are not very beautiful <laughs> and uh, who are not very charming, who are not very sweet or kind and, and wasting your time. So I really challenge myself to be rejected and to get off and to get turned on by rejection. And that it's, it's like, it's like when you are about to go on a, a stage and perform and you hype yourself up. I'm like, okay, let's get rejected. And then it's like a delightful surprise when I when I'm not. And it's funny because the two nights that I played it, I made over fourteen hundred dollars per night that I played that game. So I would say that it's a great game to play. <laughs> and also for myself, for like my future endeavors, I'm training myself to handle rejection well so that I can keep putting myself out there, even if no one responds to my call. I think it's like for any person who's going into entrepreneurship, I've, I've heard this from my coaches, which is who I've learned this from, is to just keep putting yourself out there and get off on the rejection. So that's been a that's been a recent fun game and lesson for me. And of course, there's a hundred other things I've learned, but that's a recent one. Does that actually work for you? I would love if that worked for me. I, I get so triggered and upset by rejection. <laughs> you know, really? Yeah, it's. I so feel that though. That's, I mean, that's why I'm playing it because it's, it's getting comfortable with the sensation of being rejected because there is a sensation component to it, right? There's like your body heats up, you get sweaty armpits and all that stuff. And so how can you sit and hold the sensation of rejection so that you can keep putting offers out in the world? You can still do things. And then if they fail, that's okay. I'm, I'm, cause right now I'm dealing with this with, um, strip down studio. And I, the last offer that I put out, I had two classes. I had a beginner and an intermediate. I had two people sign up for my beginner and one person signed up for my intermediate. And it was such an ego hit. It wasn't like, it really 
messed me up because the first few classes I put out had like 15, 20 people in them. They were so successful. I did successful performances and all that stuff. And I still held the classes because I, I still love teaching dance. It's something that I'm very passionate about, even if it's one person. But it was, it's, it's prevented me from putting out another offer. And I actually just put something on my Instagram last night about like, do, does anybody care about art, about dance? Like, am I offering something that's going to completely transform someone's lives? Will they prioritize that in their budget? And so I'm, I'm getting in my head about something that I'm very passionate about because I'm afraid that people will reject me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, how can I train myself in a strip club in a place where it's literal personal rejection? They're rejecting me as a person. They don't know me personally, but they're looking at me. They're looking at my hair, my my face, my outfit, and they're saying no to me. And so if I can take that no, I can take someone ignoring a post of mine. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I, I'm pretty hardcore in training myself to hold higher levels of sensation so that I can just be incredibly expressed in whatever I'm doing. I'm still going through it. <laughs> like I'm still going through stuff, you know, like everyone is, but I, I really... I'm really passionate about putting myself out there. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Recently, I've been practicing like putting myself out there even when I'm like scared to because I'd rather know and get a rejection than not like have an answer at all. Um, But I also love the practice of tuning into the sensation because I feel like a lot of the painful part of rejection is like the mental part, like you associate you know, you internalize it and think like, oh, this person rejected me because I am bad or whatever. Um, But just tuning into the sensation can easily move it rather than getting stuck in like a mental loop. Yeah. Wow. So good. Because everything is somatic, right? I've been doing a lot of somatic work in the past few years. And a lot of the stuff that I'm actually about to do is a lot of somatic work as well in uh, therapy. And it's been so uh, transformative. Uh, I just did a retreat in Portugal uh, with Desire on Fire. And if you do not know Desire on Fire, please check them out. A a shameless plug for them. (laughs) Those are my coaches. But we did a lot of somatic work in this retreat. And it was a very, very intense uh, level retreat. And it's allowed me to expand in my ability to hold the sensation and to hold other people's anger, other people's discomfort, my own discomfort, my own anger. And I'm still not an expert in it by any means, but I've reached another level of being comfortable with just like I said before, putting myself out there, making myself uncomfortable, doing things that I've never done before. I think, um, oh my God, my, oh my God, my co-star, I don't know if you know co-star, it's like the astrology app. Yep. But it says right here, it says pushing yourself past the point of certainty is how you learn about yourself. And it's like so wild. It's so, <laughs> does this concept of, um, Keep pushing yourself. If you want to get past your comfort zone and want to do something bigger, that's if you want to, though, right? If you're up to playing a big game in the world, I would say learning about the the somatics and your body and how to sit with it is just so important. Mm-hmm. I love uh, somatic work, and I feel like sensual dance has helped me a lot. Like through Desire on Fire, we were taught sensual movement, so I love that. And yeah, I would love to incorporate more of that. I feel like it's something that I don't always do, but every time I do it, it does bring a lot to the surface and I feel a lot of like movement happening. So 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, God, it's such a good point you bring up. That's part of the reason why I started Strip Down Studio. Because right now, I mean, I've taught virtually and in person at retreats and festivals. And it's been amazing to see kind of what moves through people when you bring it up. And and I love catering because I've done so many different types of events. People ask me like, like they just tell me what to teach and I just like create something. It's like sidebar. One of my favorite things to do is just create a custom class for people coming back. But one of the things that I was asked for by Desire and Fire, uh, I think they were doing a program and in that program they were doing stuff around anger and just victimhood. And, and, and there was just a lot, a lot of like depth more than just being sexy. Right. And so they asked me to cater a movement class to that. And so there was a lot. I remember making a playlist. I feel like a lot of my chemical romance was on there. But we got to really like focus on being in uh, victim states and expressing that through our body and moving that through our body. And I love doing uh, anger movement and anger dance. And dance is such a powerful tool for moving emotions through your body. And I, I did a dance the other day where I was just dancing because of grief. And I, and I think people associate dance probably with like happiness or sexiness or something like that. And we, we miss the other range of emotions sometimes because we just don't know what's available to us through that medium. And um, I guess that's part of what I'm trying to do with the Fester Down Studio is my next thing is trying to find the next level I want to take it to. And I think somatic expression is going to be a huge part of that. Is um, Strip Down Studio mostly online or in person or is it a combination? Uh, good. It's, I would say it is both because I do a lot of my classes virtually so people can join from anywhere. But I have been invited. I was flown out to California to teach at a retreat and I taught at a large festival. I think it was last year even. Um, and I teach at local dance events that I and it was cool because I got to do like an in-person co-ed class with like 40 people and then got to help them all move in their sensual expression. It was a sensual based class. And it was so beautiful to watch men move sensually. Um, these men were already dancers in the dance scene. But even even with a virtual class that I did, I ho I hosted a burlesque class and I had a man in there and, and he did such a fantastic job. And was right alongside the women and and you just saw his creative expression. And it's just so important for for any gender to to be involved in movement. So yeah, I would say it's a it's a combination of both based on who who sees me and what they're interested in. I, I just love leading movement. Amazing. Well, definitely keep us posted on your um upcoming offer. No, I gotta figure it out. I'm excited. I'm 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 moving energy right now because it was so quiet, Strip Down Studio. And I'm just like, okay, what's our next? It's like a, it's like a supernova, right? You're about to, you're about to expand, but there's that like withdrawal first. So we're, yeah. we're getting there. Yes. Yes. I feel that right now as well. Uh, oh, yeah. So I want to kind of switch gears and talk about your husband. How did you two meet? Yeah. Yeah. So we met at a, <laughs> We met at a holiday party. I was doing nonprofit work at the time and he was the caterer, like bartender. And so I went up to him, flirted a ton, eventually asked him for his number at the end of the night. And um, yeah, and then and then I, because of my personal development stuff, I, I booked the date right then and there. I took out my phone and I was like, oh yeah, we're booking it. We're not texting about it. When are you free? And I made him pull out his calendar and we 
scheduled the date right then and there and everything. You know, the rest is history, is what they say. Oh, my gosh. That's that's amazing. That's also so forward. Like, I commend you for doing that. I would never be able to put myself out there like that. Oh my God. I guess I, I, I'm a very forward person. I'm, I'm so, I'm like aggressive in that way. He did say that he has not had anybody do that before. <laughs> um, not to my knowledge. He enjoyed it though, he said, because it wasn't a game. It wasn't a guessing game. So it was really cool. And I, and I guess, I don't know what hit me in that moment, but I didn't know if he was in a relationship or not. And so I just asked him, I was like, would you like to hang out sometime? That's what I said, hang out. Because I didn't want to be like, would you like to go on a date? And um, but the way he responded to me, he was like, yes, I would love to. And I and I could tell it was very flirtatious. And so I later found out that one of the women who was working the event with him was like kind of they had been on a date or two and she was like looking at me all jealous and stuff. So I had no idea he wasn't allowed to ask me out because he was working the event and I was an attendee. So. Wow. OK, well, good thing you asked him out then. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I am not missing this opportunity with this blue-eyed, gorgeous god. I was like, I'm not doing that. That's amazing. And I saw you had two weddings. What inspired the two weddings? I guess the pandemic was a huge inspiration for that because we got engaged December of 2019 and then the pandemic hit January, you know, February 2020. But we had already picked the date that we wanted to get married. And it was July 17th, 2021. 717-2021. It's like a ring to it. And I really was attached to that date. I really wanted to get married on that date. And um, but it was it was still like high tide for for pandemic stuff. It was like the second or third wave was coming. And so we went up to Wisconsin and we got married in his grandmother's lake house and we had an intimate wedding with our immediate family. And it was so beautiful. And then it was it's funny because we say that wedding was his wedding because it was like outside and on his grandmother's property and with the water and we went on a boat ride and I'm not very nature oriented. I'm, I'm from New York City. I'm a party girl. And, and then the next year on our one year anniversary, we had our, our bigger wedding and the pandemic was still very present then too. We actually had a lot of people. We probably invited 300 people and only 100 people came. Still a lot of people, but because of the pandemic, like people got COVID still, like it was a whole thing, but we did have a larger wedding my wedding <laughs> it was like a, it was a whole dance party at a theater it was so beautiful so yeah I would say that that's the inspiration <laughs> so you got your party I got my party it was so fun and it was cool too because um I'm, I'm so grateful that we had two weddings because the first wedding it, we say was for us and the second wedding was for our guests and we instead of doing a traditional ceremony because we had already exchanged vows we my husband mainly wrote, I had the ideas, but he's a fantastic writer. He wrote an entire ceremony dedicated to our guests. So he and I actually read out loud, you know, to them, like our vows to our friends and our family and thanking them for coming and the impact that they've had on our lives. And that was, that was a moment I'll never forget. It was, it was very, it was very fun, funny and heartfelt. That's beautiful. I love that. And I love just like, making the ceremony your own in a way it's it's feels so much more personalized and so unique yeah we we were really intense about being unique at the wedding we were like we're gonna do everything different it's not gonna be the same at all you know and I think it's it was different because we didn't do a vow renewal we did a vow to our guests and everything was to and for our guests to have a fantastic time 
I remember our wedding coordinator who had done it for many years. He was like, this is, and maybe he says this to everybody, but he's like, this is the best wedding that I've ever been in. You guys are so kind and so thoughtful to the people you invited. And oh, the biggest part about our wedding was that it was Met Gala themed. So every person dressed up in like a ridiculous outfit. And I, and I had my dress handmade over the course of five years. And it was like, I was wearing a romper and also a cage skirt that had like a huge slit in it. And it was just like, it was such a crate. And my husband was wearing um, like a pink and like gold floral suit. Like it was, and we both had buns and undercuts and designs. It was just, it was a very fun, a fun time. And our officiant was wearing a skull on his shirt. So it was like, <laughs> unlike anything I've ever been to. Yeah, that's awesome. You really like infused your personality with the wedding. Yes. Oh my God. There was so much personality in that wedding. It was absolutely insane. No cake, just ice cream. That was the vibe. Oh, I love that. <laughs> well, yeah. Because I feel like some of the super traditional ceremonies, like you can really lose like the sense of personality and like fun. So I love that you really like brought that energy in. And it's very sweet too. Like, I mean, like your wedding planner said that you were so thoughtful of all the guests. Yeah. Yeah. We were... Oh man, I'm like, if part of, I have a lot of grief around my weddings actually, because I, it sucks because like you're there and you want to be there in that moment for like your whole life. You never want to leave that moment. And it was so, it was such a beautiful day. Like all of it was beautiful both days. And I so grateful. God, if you did not hire a videographer or a photographer, please hire them. Cause like it is so important to capture the memories because you're whisked away. It just goes by so fast. You want to spend so much time. And so I'm happy I had two. I think I would have been devastated if I only had one wedding. I don't know how people do it. Yeah, I know. Everyone says it goes by in like the blink of an eye and it's like something you remember for life. So yeah, why not have two? <laughs> why not have two? I'm like, we're we're probably going to have a vow renewal ceremony and a, and a whole other other thing too. I, I knew, I heard of a couple who used to do weddings like once a year for like seven years or something and like would go full out and do different weddings every year. And I'm like, after running two weddings right back to back, it is so intense. Even running a small wedding of 25 people, like doing everything remotely, still setting it up and getting ready. All that stuff is so, it, it's just a lot of time. And then right, right after that wedding, we ran an even bigger wedding, four times as big. Um, so I was like, I don't know how sustainable it is to run a wedding back to back to back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would, I would encourage multiple parties though. Did you, were there any sort of like personal hurdles that you had to go through in order to get to the actual wedding? Like I know a lot of people get stressed in the wedding planning, planning, or, you know, have to go through things that, you know, maybe they never saw coming that once they got get engaged and start planning a wedding, they feel all these maybe unexpected grief. Did any of that come up before you actually got married? Probably. And I would say the thing that's actually coming up is that we still haven't sent out thank you cards to the majority of our guests over <laughs> a year later. So like, I mean, honestly, the, the, the hard thing for us, um, our lives as everyone else's lives do too, but we, we move so fast. And when I mean we, I mean me. And so like, we're, I'm just running a million miles per minute onto the next thing. And so, and my husband's kind of opposite from me. He likes to slow down. He likes to do one thing at a time. And I think that's true for probably, I don't want to say generalized men and women in general, but women can focus on 
a lot of things at once. And men are like really good at hyper-focusing on one thing at a time. And so that was probably difficult was our learning styles of actually sitting down, doing the work, focusing for enough time. We wanted to make the process as pleasurable as possible and as fun as possible. There was so much stuff to do, especially with two weddings back to back. So I'm, I'm just trying to remember. But yeah, just actually sitting down and, and doing the thing was hard to schedule, was hard to be present with. But then when we were in it, we tried, we, we like went hard. We were like, we have to make a list of all of our favorite songs. Oh, no. And then we got there and then we did it for like three hours and we're like, no, we can't stop. But but right now, our, our most difficult thing is actually saying thank you to all the guests because I, I'm really committed to having a personalized thank you for everybody. We did it differently. We did We did email thank you cards and stuff because... I throw away every single piece of mail I get eventually. And no one keeps that forever, except for maybe the bride will keep their own invitation. But I can't printing out thank you cards. We still need to email people. <laughs> and that's been our biggest hang up. So if anybody has any advice on actually sitting down and doing it, let me know because it's been over a year. <laughs> that's something my mother instilled in me at a young age was that I always have to send out thank you notes. <laughs> My mother did the, this was the same thing with my bat mitzvah. Like I, it took me forever to send them out. And then I have a husband who like, like doesn't, you know, it's like one of us has to keep the other person responsible for it. And, and he's not going to do it. And I'm really struggling. We sent out like maybe 20, but we need to, I, it's literally have been, has been on my to-do list for a year and a half. And I'm like, oh man, that's never going to get scheduled. I kind of just wish I could send out like a, like a memo and everyone would just get it like emotional memo and just be like we thank you sorry it's taken us over a year like <laughs> yeah no I think I read something about what you posted too and it's like the act of sending the thank you note also means that the wedding is over so it's kind yeah. of like coming yeah. to terms with that Oh my God, you are so good. At, I'm like, you're so good at whatever research you're following me. Because I did say that it is like it is over. And I do have a lot of grief. There are certain things that very minimal things that happened uh, during the second wedding that I wish didn't happen. Or, you know, we all wish that something would be different in big moments like that. And it wasn't even significant. And it still takes up my brain space. It's gotten a lot less loud. But I think there's something that I'm like still holding on to. So we're all still moving through something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I feel like every day is a new journey of like emotional ups and downs. <laughs> oh, I know. I feel you. I'm like, oh, we're never going to be at a stasis. It's just going to, it's like you, you just got to keep on like, it's like I think of like the bowling ball going down the lane and then there's the bumpers. It's like you're going to just keep hitting the bumpers and eventually you'll go straight, but you're going to have a bumpy way until you hit the pens kind of thing. Or you're like me and you'll just get a gutter ball almost every time and then out of nowhere, you'll get a strike. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I love it. That means you play without bumpers. I definitely play with bumpers. Every time I'm like, we should just put the bumpers up. People are like, what are you, like a child? I'm like, okay, never mind. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is my avoid bowling. <laughs> bowling medicine. Like, I definitely won't be joining a bowling league anytime soon. I know. It's wild that people actually have bowling leagues. I'm like, good for you guys. Like, there's someone for everything. <laughs> um, so I really quickly, I know we're kind of running short on time, but I want to just ask you, like, what prompted the journey into event planning? 
Oh man, thank you for asking this. I am like, I've been trying to find my purpose or what I love to do for a long time. And I didn't really know it because you go from being in high school to going to college at such a young age, you're trying to figure out what you like to do. I thought I knew what I wanted to do. I studied the environment and biology. I love those things. And I got, a de- I got a degree in those things and I got a career in those things. I did it. I felt complete with that experience. Like every seven years, you're a new person. But something that I did in my career was that I would, I would like run conferences or I would talk to people or I would, anytime I had to plan a party for my company, it would be like the, I was like the head party planner because I would be. And then I, I started dancing tango when I was 18 and I got the opportunity in Denver to help my friends run their festival. First I volunteered and then I, (laughs) they're so sweet. They're such creatives and artists. They're like, please help me. Please help me get organized. And I just, I just had a knack for it. And I had a knack, I have a knack for like leading a team. Um, I love being a manager. I love getting to know people and to communicate and to do logistics and all that fun stuff and conflict resolution because of the strip club and my experience there. And with all that, it's just like the the job that keeps coming out for me is event manager. And every time I do an event, right now I'm doing Argentine tango events and I've done a few of them and it, I loved every single one of them. I loved every moment, even the moments of busting the bathrooms and taking out the trash, like every single moment of it, it just provides me with such purpose because I love the dance so much. I actually started a company called Arizona Rose Productions with my best friend from New York. Her name is Dagny Miller. And her and I do marketing and event management for Argentine Tango events, large scale events. And so that's actually another company that I'm running. And then on the side, I'm doing, it's kind of like my main gig. And on the side, I'm doing any other events. I'm, I'm venturing into retreat management, weddings, love wedding. I'm like, if I could just, like the grief of my wedding will be resolved if I can just do someone else's wedding. <laughs> or I'm like, oh, I'll just do weddings all the time. Or maybe I'll just be really sad every single time a wedding again that I do. Who knows? <laughs> right? But I, but I love art. I love being in the space of creativity with the rails of logistics. And so right now, this is my calling, like doing event planning and also dance teaching. Like if I could do those two things, my life would be complete and very full. And so far, my, my biggest thing is just like putting myself out there, being used to rejection putting out proposals, putting out offers, putting out classes and just seeing what sticks. That's my new, my new thing. So I guess in this phase of my life, in my 30s, I'm being very like experimental or whatever experimental. I can't say that word, but regarding like things I'm trying to put out into the world that that light me up because I learned that like when I do the things that I love to do, it, it lights other people up. It's like it's like a magnetic thing that then like bursts out to others. Mm-hmm. So. I love that. Well, congrats on launching the new business. And I definitely resonate with spending a lot of time like searching for purpose and figuring out where, you know, I would find aligned work or what would really fill me up. And I would love to just end with, um, do you have any advice for someone who may be struggling to find an aligned career or are finding their purpose? Yeah, I actually do. Um, Just keep doing the things that like follow that like trail of breadcrumbs. If you're thinking like, I want to do banking or accounting. You know, people are lit up by accounting or like, you know, really just see, just trial and error. It truly is that like what actually is aligned for you. And just like, like I, I've learned for me, it's it's correct. I like study human design, if you know what that is. And I love, love it. But design. Yeah, I'm like, I'm sad. well, you had um, Brie Rubin on, I saw. And so she was my teacher. Yeah. And I took a course with her is amazing. 
But one of the things I learned about myself is that I specifically am supposed to make mistakes in this lifetime and to learn my biggest lessons from those mistakes. And so I worked in corporate. I learned I did not like a nine to five job uh, Monday through Friday, but I had to do it. I learned that when I have to do stripping full time, I don't like it. Uh, I'm learning that I love communicating with people and running events. And so I'm going to keep following that thread and like putting my attention there and like clearing the things out of my life that don't let me do that so that I can be available for opportunities to come my way so I can do that. Can you tell I'm a generator? Um, but <laughs> And so, so yeah, my advice is just, is just follow the thread of your desire and clear out what isn't working for you and, and trust. That's the biggest thing. Oh my God. It's been my journey this year to trust, trust that it's coming for you. What's your profile? Just out of curiosity. I'm a three, five. I'm a three, no five. Way. I am too. Oh, really? Oh my God. Three, five. For those of you who do not know, the three line is trial and error. So I meant to live that way. Um, the five, I believe is the heretic. And that means I'm supposed to educate um, on, on the things that I'm learning about my mistakes. And so I make the mistakes and then I teach you about my mistakes. And that's kind of my, uh, my life's work. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. We have the same profile. What's your, I'm like, what's your type? I'm a projector. Your projector. Beautiful. So you meant to guide the wisdom of your life and Podcasts are perfect for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I haven't found any other ways to guide yet, but hey, at least I'm here. <laughs> We're guiding the conversation so beautifully. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And um, can you just let everyone know how they can find you and find Strip Down Studio? Yes, I'm on Instagram. So I have uh, two Instagram accounts. One is at Strip Down Studio. Pretty self-explanatory. And the other one is my personal account for my event management. It's at MelodyRose.F. And yeah, that I think uh, I sent you those links. So if you find me on Instagram, follow me, DM me, say hi. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Yeah, I'll put all that info in the show notes. And this has been such a great conversation. I'm so grateful for you coming on. Thank you, Melody. Oh, thanks, Liz. I appreciate you. <laughs>